Radio. We are back. This is episode 203 of the Dark Windows podcast. That was like... I'm questioning it. I have to check. Very a question. <sighs> we hit 200 and all of a sudden my fucking brain stopped. Hold on. Let's see. Let's see if yeah. I'm close. Come on now. There it is. There it is. Yeah, 203. I was right. Sweet. So, this week, Kevin's got a crime? Yes. That a he's crime. going to talk about? Yes, a crime. And something that we have not discussed. Okay. Uh, what you for got? A crime. It's a kidnapping. Anyway, so we're doing okay. a kidnapping. Yes. Okay. What do you got? It's the kidnapping of Edward Bremer by mm. the Barker uh, Carpus gang. Oh shit! Like they they could be an episode on their own too. Because they did some wild shit. Mm. Well, they didn't do much after this. So well. Up leading up to this, they did some crazy shit. Um, so on January seventeenth, nineteen thirty-four, the Barker Carpus gang kidnapped Edward Bremer. I'm sorry, Edward Brewer, off the streets of Saint Paul, Minnesota. Um, on January seventeenth, nineteen thirty-four, the Barker Carpus gang kidnapped our Edward Bremer off the streets of Saint Paul, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. At the time, he was wealthy. He was the wealthy president. Of commercial state bank, but perhaps more importantly, he was the son of Alfred Bremer, who owned the Schmidt Brewery. Having Schmidt Brewery, yeah, never heard of it. They were probably bought something out by old. like Anheuser Busch or something. I don't know. It's just something old. Mm. I don't know if it still exists. I didn't actually look into it. Yeah. Let's see. But um, having uh, married the daughter of Jacob Schmidt, um. Many uh, breweries that survived did so by working with bootleggers on the down low, which, of course, in many cases were part of criminal organizations. But when prohibition was repealed, they distanced themselves from those gangs once alcohol was no longer illegal. Now, before we continue on, um, before they actually had kidnapped uh, Edward Bremer. They actually, the previous year, um, the gang had successfully kidnapped William Ham Ham Jr., president of Theodore Ham Brewing Company. Uh, <laughs> Fucking alcoholics. Yeah. We're gonna kidnap the beer president. Um, so just as just to, as an interjection here, um, Schmidt Brewery actually closed in 2002 and shifted gears to producing ethanol for Gopher State until the doors closed again in 2004. The bottle and brew houses were converted in 2012 into the Schmidt Artist Lofts, Lofts, and the former Keg House will now house the aptly named Keg and Cask Market. Um, So in other words, it closed, it went out of business, and then the hipsters got it. Ah. So I'm surprised there's not a fucking... You know, artisan pickle factory in the back of it somewhere. Maybe. Possibly. <clears throat> Never know. So. Goddamn white people with mustaches. Yes. Uh, so they kidnapped Theodore Ham um, of the, you know, uh, William Ham of the Theodore Ham. Ham beer. Co- yes. Drink it. 
uh, brewing company. Uh, he was working at his office in St. Paul, Minnesota. He had just exited the building when he was grabbed by four shadowed figures and pushed into the back of a car. What he didn't know was that he had been kidnapped by members of the Barker Carpus Gang for a ransom of over $100,000. Ham was taken to Wisconsin where he was forced to sign four ransom notes. Then he was moved to a hideout in um, Bensonville, Illinois. Oh, okay. Uh, where he was told or was held prisoner until the kidnappers had uh, had been paid. Once the money had was handed over, Ham was released by, near Wyoming, Minnesota. The pl- I, I hate I hate that when they give a a city in a different state the name of a state. It's so fucking confusing. He was released in Wyoming. If you didn't put a comma there, it'd be like okay, so they drove him to a different state and dumped him. No, Wyoming, Minnesota. Those two states aren't next to each other either. Well, hey, what the fuck? We have a Jamaica, Vermont. I know. We have a Peru, too. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I just... Hey. I hate it. It makes That's me how crazy. how it goes. So, anyway. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah. So, the plane was perfect and went off with all without a hitch. Almost. On September 6th, 1933... Using a then state-of-the-art technology known call now called Latin fingerprint identification, the FBI laboratory raised incriminating fingerprints from the surface that couldn't be dusted for prints. Uh, Alvin Carpus, Doc Barker, uh, Charles Fitzgerald, and and the other members of the gang had gotten away, but they had left their fingerprints behind all over the ransom notes. Mm-hmm. The silver nitrate method and its application in the ham kidnapping was the first time it was used successfully to extract latent fingerprints from forensic, for, I'm sorry, for forensic evidence. Which is pretty excellent. Yeah. That's pretty cool that this is the first time that yeah. this type of what would go on to become the standard kind of for yeah. fingerprinting. To see what, like the first case it was actually used successfully in. Yep. Scientists had just thought uh, to take advantage of the fact that uh, unseen fingerprints contain uh, perspiration, uh, which they're chock full of sodium chloride, common table salt. Because of that history, quote, it is thought that Bremer was not chosen simply because of his wealth, but also because of it. Hold on. Now, because of the previous kidnapping... Um, it is thought that Bremer was not chosen simply because of his wealth, but also because of his, of a personal vendetta. Mm-hmm. They planned the kidnapping for four months. The kidnappers asked for $200,000 this time. Doubled what they'd asked for Ham Brewery family. Shit. From the Ham Brewery family. Right. This uh, guy was probably also worth a little bit more, maybe. Um, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Um, you know, it's just kind of... Uh, was a bold move on their part to, you know, double what, you know, their previous uh, score. Yeah, for sure. Um, the day that Edward was kidnapped, uh, he would, uh, he dr- actually had dropped, he dropped his daughter off at school and he was actually on his way to work. When uh, he was approached by two men, one of them was Arthur Doc Barker. 
Barker repeatedly punched and pistol whipped pistol pistol whipped him. He pistol whipped him. He hard. fucking pistol whipped him hard. <laughs> he pistol whipped him, forcing him into the back of Bremer's car and placing blindfolding goggles over his eyes. After having some difficulty starting the vehicle, the kidnappers forced the uh, bleeding Bremer to show them the starter button, then drove off, later switching to another car. The bloodstained vehicle was later recovered, leading to fears that Bremer had been killed. Which he hadn't. He'd just been yeah, beat fucking bad. Yeah. Bremer uh, was held captive in Bensonville, Illinois. He was kept in a small room and was told that his family would be killed if he said anything to the police. He was also told to provide the names of people who um, could act as uh, intermediaries. Uh, messages demanding $200,000 were left with the Bremers' trusted business associate and former uh, chauffeur Walter Maggie. Trust the fucking chauffeur? Are you kidding? I don't know, man. Through Tom Brown, the gang uh, learned that Maggie had uh, informed the police, despite the gang's demand, that he could keep quiet. They threatened to kill him and Bremer. Out, uh, Adolf Bremer, the victim's father, refused to pay up unless the kidnappers proved proof of life. Right. Jesus. Fucking blowing up over there. It's probably all baseball shit. That's what mine's been. Uh-uh. Oh. Oh. <clears throat> okay. Um, proof. Edward was forced to write another note pleading to be returned to his wife and children. When Adolf uh, also tried to reduce the ransom money, Fred Barker began became enraged and suggested that uh, they should kill Edward. His brother Arthur and uh, another one, one of the Carpus guys, overruled him. And in the end, the ransom was uh, paid out, was paid uh, by dropping off a f- duffel bag full of cash, which was collected by George Zeger. Edward was taken to a uh, deserted road by. Z- I'm sorry. No, it, let me start that again. His Please brother <laughs> Arthur and Carpus overruled him. In the end, the ransom was paid off, <clears throat> dropping off a bag uh, full of cash which was collected by George Ziegler. Edward was driven to a deserted road by Ziegler and released on February 7th. Left on the empty road with a small amount of cash, he had to make his way home. <laughs> so he just dumped his ass on the side of the road yep. with like 30 bucks? Like, here, fucking figure it out, bud. Yeah. Nice. I mean, at least they gave him money. True. They could have just been like, fuck you, take a hike. Mm-hmm. Just shit canned him right there and never, you know... Never thought, you know, never thought about it again. Of course, uh, the FBI had recorded the serial numbers of all the cash used to pay the ransom. They launched an intensive investigation, declaring uh, Alvin Carps, Carpus, a uh, presumed leader of the gang, to be public enemy number one. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you know, that's one of those ones I think is gets thrown around. Public enemy number one. Well, no, back then at least, no. No, because you didn't get that without good reason. 
Yeah, but there was just a lot of public enemy number ones. Yeah, like, it, it was that was essentially the FBI's most wanted list before the FBI's most wanted list. True. Right? Think about the guys yeah. that were on there before that. Fucking or John, during it. John Dillinger, uh, Babyface Nelson, like guys like that have got on that list for a reason. And the Carpus guys weren't fucking about Al Capone. Al Capone. Yeah. Like they, they, yeah. I mean, a lot know. of the guys. Yeah. And again, we can True. do a whole background episode on the Carpus gang. Cause they did some crazy shit. Um, Bremer completely traumatized, uh, Bremer completely traumatized and worried about the safety of his wife and children refused to cooperate with the FBI. When they of threatened course. to reveal what they believed uh, about his links to organization, organized crime, he admitted that he knew about the kidnappers and his suspicions about their connection to Sawyer. Right. He, <clears throat> he memorized every detail about his surroundings, which to- he told them uh, all about. You know, because he's like, okay, I, I know all this stuff. And all right, all right, yeah. listen, I don't want you to talk. I picked up these details, on, like, well, they had yeah. me. Yeah, this is this is everything about, you know, where I was kept. Right. So while um, not a household name to us today, these kidnappers brought uh, too much negative publicity due to the uh, recent uh, Urschel and Lindbergh kidnappings and the fact that the father uh, of... Bremer Jr. was a personal friend of of President Roosevelt. Oh, of course. Who mentioned the uh, mentioned the kidnappings in his fireside chat, which is one of those big things that presidents used to do. Yeah, along most you know. more specifically him. Yeah, but of course, being buddies with the president, you're going to get some preferential treatment. Of course, which kind of put pressure on the FBI because I guess they didn't really like do anything with, um. With it, right to begin with, but then you know the presidents get involved, and other people are talking. So we need to step this up. Yeah. So they kind of you know get your kind of you know yeah, and then kind of took him in and were like, listen, you fucking tell us this stuff, and you know, tell us what we need to know. Tell us anything. Yeah, any information you know? that you know from this whole thing, yeah. you got to tell us so that we can. And, you know, try and to, they were like, hey, if we pulled something over him as collateral, you know, like, we'll tell that you had connections to him or anything like that. They used it. A known criminal turned up on the empty gas can found by a local police officer along the kidnapping route. Soon, a number of Barker's conf- confidants, including his brother, Fred Carpus, Fred Carpus, Harry Campbell, Fred Goats. Uh, Russell Gibson, Volney Davis, like and a others. Guitar player. What? Russell Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, were linked to the crime. The gang split up after the Bremer, kidna- after the Bremer kidnapping and became, began crisscrossing the country, with some even fleeing to Cuba. Three went as far as to go undergo, undergo back, uh, backroom plastic surgeries to conceal Jesus their Christ. fingerprints and identities. Yeah. Others passed. Of course, do you, you want to know how they did it back then? Fucking scrape off your fingerprints? No. What you do is you take a like a, a darning needle, like a really sharp needle, and you'd poke holes in the you know the, your pads of your fingers, and you'd soak them in citric acid, and you would do that over the course of a few days, and it would actually burn your fingerprints off temporarily. Oh, wow. 
So it's like you, you're you're jabbing yourself with a needle and then soaking your fingers in lemon juice, which mother fuck that. Yeah. Ow. Yeah. Ugh. That that had to hurt. I think. Yeah. No shit. I would say so. I mean, because you can't scrape them off. I mean. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. You have to chemically alter them that way. Yeah. Um. So. We're at like eighteen. So others passed the. Uh, Ran, uh, ran some loop back and forth and looked for uh, ways to launder the bills. In late September 1934, Fred Barker and and Campbell registered under fake names at the El Commodore Hotel in Miami. Joining them was Fred's mother, Kate Ma Barker, yep. who was known to uh, help her criminal sons. Help? No, no, no. She didn't help. She was the fucking brains behind the entire operation. Probably. No, no, 100% she was. Like, they would go, hey, we found a place, and they would lay out a map, and she would go, okay, well, you come in from here. You hit it at this time, because this is when, you know, everything's going down. Then you go back out the same direction, we have a separate car to... She, she was the fucking... The brains behind the operation. She just didn't yeah. go out and do it. Kind of uh, like Jesse James' mom, where she knew way, way more about shit than she'd let on, and then the fucking Pinkertons, like, blew her arm off with a grenade. Killed his brother. Yeah. That's how it goes. Because the Pinkertons were the good guys in that whole thing. Yeah, right. I mean, there was no bad... There was no... There was no good guys. Because, like, Jesse and Frank were kind of scumbags. Well, no, they were scumbags. Um, yeah. When you keep fighting the, the Civil War after it's already over, and then you, you know, you start... You join an organization to fund the resurgence of the Confederacy at some point in time and you're robbing banks and killing people, you're kind of a piece of shit. Let's be real. Well, You, you can American hero him all you want. He's a piece of shit. Well, okay. And so were the Pinkertons. Okay, well, first off, A, he was part of the Golden Knights. Yeah, Knights during, of the Golden Circle. Um, during the whole thing. Yeah, he also... During, during it, mm -hmm. and they actually um, had a lot of meetings out in a fucking swamp. Yep. Um, so, and he actually... Had, there. There's not like, I mean, well, I should say, let me stop. There's no hard evidence to prove that he was a part of it. No hard evidence. Yeah, well. I'm telling you that right they, now. They also rode with fucking Quantrell's Raiders, and they did some heinous shit then. Uh, then, you know, how, how many innocent people did they kill Robin Banks? Well, a I lot. I don't know. Like so, you can you can it's you know fucking folk here all you want, but they were still pieces of shit. But again, so were the guys chasing them. There was no good guys in the in the whole fucking situation. It's like Red Dead Redemption. You think you're the good guy the whole time, but no, you're actually a piece of shit the whole time. <laughs> so are the guys chasing you. Well, I mean, the Pinkertons were, uh, you know, they were, they were supposed to be the good guys, and. They were like Wild West lawmen where they were just as fucking crooked as the guys they were chasing. Well, but the thing is, though, is they were given that leeway to do that stuff because they needed to have people out there that were just as ruthless and, you know, and will do anything. You know, because, I mean, the guys they're hunting... Well, are ruthless and will do anything. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you gotta have to, you know, match like for like. Yeah. When well, it comes to it. But when you you fucking 
basically set up how the ATF is going to do things by, you know, grenading houses with unarmed civilians in it and killing children and animals and shit. Eh, not, not the best guys ever, you know. Well, that was, I mean, that was later on, you know. I mean, they, they, did, a, they did a lot of shit, like, uh, later on down the road. Like, there was shit that they did in like, Pennsylvania. There was and, shit they did where they, you know, um, like, killing people that were on strike and shit well, like Well, that's that. what I'm referring yeah. to, because there <laughs> yeah. was... They weren't good guys. But they were brought in to not be good guys. By the ultimate not good guy, the U.S. government. No. Wrong. Really? They were, no. They were hired privately by the mine owners. Still pieces of shit, Because, though. remember, this is the the era of um, the, the 20s we're talking, referring to. Yeah. Okay? Which is the era of uh, Boss Tweed. Yeah. And, you know, the big... Big, you know, fucking the Rockefellers and all them who, you know, the big fucking high, high yeah. mucky mucks that didn't give two fucks. They were about essentially anybody. the government. Who do you think the government got all their money from? Well, yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> not necessarily. From those fucking dirtbags. Well, eh, okay. I'm going to say this. At one point, yes, but then the government went broke. <laughs> And, and who fixed that? Uh, no one, actually. No. They fixed it themselves. Because they went to Rockefeller, and Rockefeller went, no. No, I'm not saving your ass this time. Well, still. You know, but... I mean, you, 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 uh, that's why eventually down the road, you had uh, the Depression and stuff. You know, I mean, that's just how it goes. Yeah, you It's don't... almost like when the government oversteps its bounds and blows all its money on stupid shit. That everybody else has to foot the bill for it. Well, it's crazy how it keeps happening. The, the, <laughs> prob- the problem, like, during that time wasn't so much that the government was overstepping their balance. Because you got to remember, then, government wasn't, like, as much as it is now. It's yeah. a, It was a lot different, you know, as far as they didn't have a lot of the funds, you know, especially in, like, the 1800s and such. You know, you had to get taxes from where you ever could get taxes. Yeah. I mean, you know, your states and stuff had, you know, collected all, a lot of the taxes. And the federal government really didn't do that. You know, and then, well, early 1900s, they didn't really do much of that either. I mean, they well, had, they slowly did it. Slowly brought, you know, hey, we got to do something to get something. Yeah. But, I mean, they also, you know, realized that, hey, you have, uh, you know... We have these millionaires or whatever running around that, you know, just think they can poke their fucking noses and everything. Weird. And hire hire these guys that you know beat the fuck out of people for no just because you know their employees are trying to get better conditions. It's almost like that continues to happen, except without the physical violence part. <laughs> Yeah. Jeff Bezos just went to space, and these motherfuckers make like fourteen bucks an hour working twenty-four hour shifts at fucking Amazon. <laughs> I think they make more than that, huh? I don't know. I think they make more than that. Yeah, really, dude? They working in the warehouse? Like, I've heard some horror stories, like on Facebook, of people that work in Amazon warehouses where you work like fourteen-hour days. You're allotted bathroom time. Like, if you have to take a bathroom break, it has to be between this time and this time, or, like, whenever your scheduled bathroom breaks are and shit. Mm. It's pretty gross. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. 
Well, <clears throat> so anyway, back to the back to the uh, yeah. back to this. So, <clears throat> um, so at, at this El Commodore, uh, Fred asked for a quiet place to live. The hotel manager told him of a friend's cottage for rent on nearby Lake Weir. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Barkers moved there in November. In December, Doc Barker was tracked by bureau investigators to a home in Chicago. On January eighth, uh, yeah, on January eighth, Doc was arrested without incident. Later that night, several associates of Russell Gibson were also apprehended. Heavily armed and wearing bulletproof vests, uh, Gibson tried to fight it out, but was mortally wounded. Searching the apartment, agents found powerful firearms and loads of ammunition, and telling a uh, and a map of Florida with uh, Lake Weir Circle. We got all this ammunition. We're gonna blow Florida up. You know it. Turns out you're going to the state where people shoot at hurricanes. They will fucking kill you. I don't know. But I mean, if I remember correctly, they were based out of like Ocala, so. Some panhandle shit going on here. Uh, so agents soon located the cottage hideout. So shortly after 5 a.m. on January 16th, 1935, a group of agents led by Earl Conley surrounded the house and demanded the Barker surrender. No response. They waited 15 minutes and called again. Again, no answer. Following another call of, for surrender in more silence, agents shot some tear gas grenades at the windows of the house. Dickheads. Someone in the house shouted, All right, go ahead! Then the machine gun fire blasted from the upstairs window. <laughs> the some, eight... some devil's reject shit going on here. Yeah. The agents responded with volleys of their own. More gunfire erupted from the house. Over the next hour, intermittent shots came from the home, and agents returned fire. By 10.30 a.m., all firing had stopped. Both Ma and Fred, it was soon learned, were dead. Alvin Carpus, the brains of the gang, uh, remained elusive. Carpus had, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, Carpus had long led a criminal life. He was born in Montreal in 1907. That explains so much. What a piece of shit. Uh, under the name of Carpovich. <laughs> He's a Polish snow frog. Get the fuck out of here. Well, not, well, I don't know, Karpovich? Would you say it? Sounds Polish no. to me. No. His parents were immigrants from Lithuania. Same fucking thing. <laughs> no. He's Eastern Polish. Sure. Southeastern Polish. Still gross. Uh, they later He's settled down. fucking Lithuania. It's not even a real place. It's only real in Hellboy. No, it's Moldova. Never mind. Yeah. That's a real Let's place get it straight too, I guess. now. Whatever. So later, uh, they settled down in Kansas. In 1926, he found himself serving 10 years in prison for burglary. Following a jailbreak in 1930, Carpus began his criminal career in earnest, often f- working with members of the Barker family. A string of bank robberies, auto thefts, and even murder followed. Before the kidnappings of Ham Jr. and Bremer uh, put him squarely on the FBI's radar. In 1936, April of 1936, to be more precise, mm-hmm. Tennessee Senator, Senator Kenneth McKellar 
uh, called director J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> who no who no doubt had just slipped into his best pair of uh, fucking stilettos. <laughs> oh, God, I'm sorry. That's all I can picture. I knew you were gonna come up with mm-hmm. something. I knew you were gonna say something like oh, this. Yeah. But was, all was, I can picture him is it is it is uh his fishnet stockings. Rolling them fishnets up his fucking yep. fat hairy legs. <laughs> I'm a pretty lady. I'm a pretty lady. No, he, yeah, so it's fun. Hello. <laughs> He's like. Jagger, is that you? I mean, yes. What's going on? Edgar's not here right now. <laughs> All right, buddy. So when you get a second, call me back, you Ed- fucking weirdo. Edgar's been a bad boy. Smack. Mm. Tucking his dick up and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> he was a fucking freak. Yes. Like, this guy had a list on Michael Jackson because Michael Jackson was a weirdo. It's like, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he called Slide out of your corset and talk to somebody about it, you creep. So he called J. Edgar Hoover on the carpet during an appropriations hearing, complaining about his request for more funds. When the senator challenged Hoover on how many arrests he had uh, made personally, the director vowed to himself that he would be involved in the next big one. So when word came that Carpus had been located Later that month, Hoover flew that night to New Orleans and joined the uh, waiting raid team, which had staked out the criminal's apartment on Canal Street. The next day, on May 1st, shortly after 5 p.m., Carpus and two others left the apartment and got in a Plymouth coupe. Hoover signaled for his men, who closed in. The director ordered Carpus to be cuffed. Ironically, no one had... Uh, brought handcuffs, so... <laughs> oh, oh, J. Edgar had handcuffs. You just, you're not allowed to arrest a criminal with fuzzy ones. Yeah, you can't do that. You know. So one agent removed his tie and secured the hands of Alvin Carpus. The fish had been caught. Within hours, Hoover was escorting Carpus back to St. Paul, where he eventually pled guilty to the ham, ham kidnapping and was sentenced to life in prison. After stays in Alcatraz and other prisons, Carpus was paroled in the late 1960s. So, how do you parole a dude like that, though? Hey, um, it's like, uh, uh, who the hell was it? Oh shit! I was watching. Um, above fuck, what the? Oh, it's an expedition unknown or mm-hmm. something like that. And they were talking about uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Yeah. Um, and uh, no, it wasn't is it wasn't Butch? It was the other one, Sunday uh, Sundance. One of them, I think it was one of them. Yeah, they had stored some. I think it was those two. God damn it, I'm not for sure now. Well, anyway, it was about two guys, okay, or whatever. They had stored some cash. And they get caught. One of them got caught, and he actually was sent to jail for their like you know it was life or whatever. Right. Ended up actually getting out after, you know, twenty five years or whatever it was. And he like went went on to like lead a you know kind of like a straight normal life, you know, kind of like just tried to stay away from all trouble and everything else. And the FBI like kept on his ass. Yeah. Like w- watched him. Like we're hoping that they would. He would lead them back. So, to... I don't think it would have been them because that was that was before the FBI. 
Yeah, maybe it was someone else. Then I, I, I'm like I said, I think I was mistaken. Uh, the OSS after Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid again. Yeah. <laughs> um. So they they kept on his ass and tried to see if he was gonna they were you know gonna go back to uh, find the actual cash. Right. And, and he never ever went back ever. I mean, ever. I don't, don't fucking blame him. They probably you know. had an, they probably had an agent sitting on that fucking cash. Until the day he died. Well, I mean, he died in like nineteen. I don't know, thirty six, forty six. So the FBI was around. You know, by the time he before he died. So, so it wasn't that, it wasn't one of them then. It had to have been somebody else. Yeah, but but yeah, um. So yeah, so that is the kidnapping of Edward Bremer, and also. You know, and how uh, he was kidnapped, and then you know, how the Barker and Carpus gang, you know, were kind of uh, <laughs> doing what they did. Yeah, you know, being the the dickheads. More, more of the tail end of what they did, because uh, yeah, they they kind of got shot up and stuff. A couple of them did at true. least. <laughs> very, very true. But they got their shit kicked in. They did. They definitely got their dicks handed to them pretty good. So, um, so yeah, so that's the end of that. So now we're going to take a break right here, and then we're going to come back, and I actually have uh, another story from Joanna Smith that uh, we'll read for you guys to end, uh, end this episode out. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, like I said, this is a message that we got from uh, Joanna Smith, and... Uh, she says, you know, her, her title of her, uh, of it is More Stories. <laughs> she goes, uh, so this is, her, this is her email. So I was playing on Facebook today and saw that Vermont slash possible UFO uh, video post in your group. Yes, go check it out on her Facebook page. There's all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah it made me think of a few odd happenings in my life. So I... Uh, I am already back with some stories. I've seen weird shit in the sky. Uh, it was weird enough that it made me stop being on the fence about a legitimacy of UFOs. Uh, in a few seconds, it made me feel and realize we were definitely not alone. All of the feelings that uh, that was what I instantly felt. I would have settled for just being excited to see something weird. To tell my friends about. Excited I saw a possible UFO or military. Uh, we just don't know about yet. But I walked away feeling as if there is more than just humans on earth. Any, uh, and most, an almost content feeling. I now find it a bit disturbing. Ugh. <laughs> it goes <laughs> a little something like this. So it was February 1999. I was 18. I was 19. And my first year out of high school. How old were you? What? You were what? <clears throat> what year was it? You were six. What, what year was it? 99. Six? Bitch, no. Seven? 99? I was fucking 12. Okay, fine. Just, you, you know. fuck. <laughs> shut up. Shut up, dickhead. <clears throat> Oh, yeah, that's right, because you graduated from elementary school. I graduated yep. from high school. 
Yep. Yes. Um, so it was February 1999. I was 1918, and my first year out of high school. I was working nights like 4 p.m. to 1 p.m. I mean, 1 a.m. maybe, possibly. Yeah, that shit sucks, though. Managing the video store. I'm that old. Video stores were still a thing. I also lived in the ghetto suburbs. That's still a thing. Part of a city. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll see why I mentioned that some uh, awesomeness in a minute. She gave a little winky face. We had... An Air Force base extremely close to where I was. They were closing but still had some active flights at that time. At that time. An international airport and plenty of different helicopters f- for various agencies. I name all of all that off to describe that there was uh, always something flying around. Mm-hmm. So I took my dinner break around 8 p.m., ran home to grab some regular clothes to change into after work. I was going out that night. So I drove home, parked across the street in front of my friend's house, but the houses were perfectly lined up facing each other. It was at an angle. So I go inside, grab my stuff, head back out, and I get to the end of the my yard in driveway. It was a perfectly clear night, cold and crisp, no clouds or fog start uh, starting up. I, I'm standing in the side on the sidewalk where the driveway ends. I look around a lot, like side to side. It's night, and I have a creepy, a crappy area, and crappy things happen. So I turn a bit to walk across the street diagonally, like maybe 20 feet total. This is where uh, so much seemed to happen in such so little time. It felt like everything went in slow motion. I'm still paying attention to by scanning my surroundings, especially because a legit creepy, creepy person lived a few houses down. Then a, uh, then a light caught my attention off to the side. I remember thinking, well, fuck the ghetto bird is out tonight. (laughs) AKA police helicopter. (laughs) I took another step towards my car and thought, but how close in what direction? Sadly, those thoughts were normal growing up there. That's when, that's when I realized there was no sound to it. This became super slow motion at this t- point, and my thoughts hit me hard. The light I saw up in the sky was not, f- <clears throat> not far away, pretty damn close. It looked like a helicopter light, but no sound. Not at all. That was a big issue to me because I can't tell you how many times one flew over and and it's not quiet. So I turned around and finally get a good direct look and see if it's a helicopter or Air Force plane. Mm -hmm. Majority of planes are jets. The Air Force were not quiet either. Oh, no, definitely not. Yeah. So I hear I am middle of the street. Look at the light. It looked a lot like a helicopter light, but it seemed like a huge spotlight. Like several helicopter lights in one and bright white in the middle. And it faded to a shade of blue encircling it. Oh, wow. And it was moving horizontally horizontally like a helicopter would. Then it seemed like it bounced a few times 
shaky, weird, very big, unnoticeable bounces. Oh, no, sorry. Shaky, weird, very big, noticeable bounces. The last bounce seemed huge. Then it stopped. It seemed to shoot straight up. Next thing I see, it seemed like an explosion of light, and it was suddenly daylight for a second. It felt like an entire minute, but I know it wasn't. Jesus. But the sky was blue. The trees were brown with no leaves. But they're really, what really got me was the houses looked the way they would in the afternoon. I could see their colors, and the palm trees were brown and the leaves were green and shiny, then instantly dimmed back into nighttime. Wow. Damn. Holy shit. Uh, I stood there in an awe, then looked around like, wow. I was amazed. It's weird. I did not get scared or extremely excited. I instantly felt it was okay. We were not alone. They watched over us. I was in such a content, peaceful, fulfilled mood. It wasn't until I went out that night, took a few shots, and telling a few friends what I saw, then it hit me hard. That's when the what the fuck feeling came over me. Then a month later, we saw a wolf man. I'll send you. I'll send that next time. Fuck yeah! I'm sticking to the UFOs. The next uh, was 12 years ago. My kids were six and seven. I had family visiting, so my niece and nephews were uh, were here. They were about the same ages. It was mid-July. I live like four hours from the ghetto bird land in the rural Redneck Mountains. <laughs> These kids all wanted to camp out in the backyard. Luckily, on the outskirts of our little town and our property is good-sized. They finally talked me into camping out back. I prefer comfort, so we put our sleeping bags on the giant trampoline with tall netting all around us mm-hmm. <laughs> so the cats can't jump up, up with us. <laughs> uh, it was awesome and comfy. After a few hours of their giggling and telling stories, they were sound asleep. It was late, like 11 p.m., Jesus, yeah. and I was still asleep. Still awake, not sleep. Whoa. Uh, enjoying the quiet, stargazing and listening for bears and mountain lions. I was doing my mom duty. Well, tons of stars and a satellite here and there. Then across the valley are the mountains. Suddenly, what looked like a satellite came over those mountains. It was moving faster than any plane I ever saw. It was moving in our direction, and then it was almost above us and made a 90-degree turn without slowing down and was gone. I was thinking, no way. I need to go to sleep and stop imagining the things. I'm thinking that it, that as I heard my oldest son say, Oh my God, what the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he takes, he takes after me. <laughs> yeah. None of the other kids say a thing. So whispering, I ask him if he was awake and what was wrong. This kid of mine says, yeah, mom, I'm I'm awake. And was that a fucking UFO? <laughs> <laughs> At 19, he denies he cussed, but still describes exactly what I saw. 
his story never changes. Yeah. Wow. Damn. So that was uh, another story from Joanna Smith. Another couple stories from it's her. some crazy shit that's happened. This yeah. is uh, fantastic. Yeah. Keep sending it, man. I'll, we'll keep reading it. Damn. You know? For sure. For sure. So since that's pretty much what we got for the night, um, head over to Patreon dot com forward slash dark windows podcast sign up there for five dollars a month you get a bonus episode once a week um yeah and you get access to all of the old stuff that we've got on there um and all of the upcoming stuff that we've got we got some changes coming here in the future that'll uh hopefully make it worth worth you know more bang for your buck we'll put it that way um then when you're on the internet, since you're already there, you may as well go to studio.com, grab some headphones, grab some earbuds, grab a speaker, throw all that shit in your cart, put in Dark Windows 15 at checkout, you get 15% off your entire order. And, uh, yeah, wherever you, uh, wherever you get your fixings, you know, wherever you get your fix for, uh, for podcasts, go over there, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. If not, fucking find a provider that you can. Um, you can also find us on Facebook. We have Dark Windows Podcast, the, the the group. We also have a Dark Windows Podcast page where you can leave us a review, which is super fucking helpful. I forget to mention that. Yeah, yeah, you Fuck. Do. it's okay though. We both do. Um, you can also go and find us on Instagram. We are Dark Windows Pod, and Twitter, sorta still at Dark Windows Pod. Uh, don't do a lot on Twitter. It's just. It's not for not for us. It's via Instagram. Yeah, yeah. It's I very rarely go on Twitter. Um, like when nah. I say rarely, I mean never. We're so, not the Twitter folk. No. Um, yeah. So by the time some of you guys are hearing this, uh, I'll be in the hospital with my wife, getting ready to have a baby and stuff. So. <laughs> or by the time some of you hear it, he will. They will have already had the baby. Considering how our our downloads work. My, my He's going to be like four years my old. My child will be almost a month old by the time most of you hear this, it seems like. so <laughs> uh, Because it, it, like, our Mogadishu episodes are finally in our top three, like, top five, like, most downloaded for the, the week. And I'm like, oh, okay, so people are a little behind. All good. I get it. There's other shows that are better than us to listen to. Um, I'll be the first to admit that because... Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and most of it is not us. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we'll be back again next week. Um, we missed doing the roll on the show last time, but we did it in between. Uh, Kevin landed on history, and I landed on a badass. So we'll be back next week with a badass, and it is going to be a fucking banger. I promise. Uh, it's it's a, a banger. Oh, it is. It is. So, yeah. until then. Yeah, just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean the dark can't see into you. <gasps> Bye. Goodbye.